Welcome to the Cover 2 Resources podcast series, a podcast series about addiction and addiction education. My name is Amy McNeil. I lost my brother Samuel to a heroin overdose on October 23, 2015. He was 28. As a family, we thought we were prepared to help Sam fight addiction, but we were painfully mistaken. My family founded Cover 2 Resources in memory of Sam. Our mission is to arm others with the knowledge needed to best support a loved one struggling with opioid addiction. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher, and via RSS feed. Simply search for the full name, Cover 2 Resources, on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Greg McNeil, founder of Cover 2 Resources. During the week of April 9th through the 13th, this year, the Summit County Alcohol and Drug Addiction and Mental Health Services Board is recognizing first responders who are on the front lines of the opioid epidemic. Today, as part of this week of recognition, our podcast is dedicated to telling the story of the QRT teams here in Summit County. On December 9, 2016, first responders and community leaders from 15 communities in Summit County gathered in green to learn about a new community outreach program to directly engage overdose victims, providing help and information on recovery options to all those in need. That's where our story begins. Here to talk with us today is Jerry Craig, who's the executive director of the Summit County ADM Board, and Barberton Police Chief Vince Morber. So gentlemen, welcome. Thank you, Greg. Hi, Greg. Okay. So, Jerry, we're going to begin with you. On December 9th, you were there, first responders and community representatives from 15 different communities gathered in green to learn about these QRT teams from the program's creators, which were Dan Malloy and Nan Franks. So tell us what happened next. Well, I think there was a lot of interest in doing this, and and many of the communities um, started to explore it right away. And it was almost uh, it was almost an act of desperation. You know, the level of the level of overdoses that we were experiencing in those communities, and the and the impact that it's had on first responders was pretty significant. So I think there was were two factors that entered into this. The first was the fact that um, people were people were dying, and first responders were were responding on almost a daily basis to these these overdoses. But the second part of it was there was a little bit of civic pride there, and so communities were rushing to be the first to implement the quick response teams. Yeah, Green certainly stepped up and took a real leadership response in that, and and, uh, they were very, very vocal about that. So over the last two years, safety forces in Summit County have responded to over 4,700 overdoses. And our EDs have been overwhelmed by patients that have, have needed help. So, Chief, can you describe what you witnessed in the run-up to all of this in the last couple of years, and then maybe speak about the impact the QRT teams have had? Uh, the run-up to it, wow. Uh, pills, you know, pills were prevalent, uh, and then start clamping down on the pills, the pill mills. There was one up on Romick Road, Dr. Harper, that got shut down right outside our city limits. But I mean, you, it was not uncommon to see a lot of people you'd arrest for drugs would have Dr. Harper pill bottles in there. Uh, When that got shut down and the market changed, we saw the move to heroin and and then fentanyl, carfentanyl. So the the, the lethality of it, it was happening before, 
but the lethality of it really struck home. So um, Kenmore, Barberton, our whole area, the Norton area, was uh, hit very, very hard with it. So you'd go to calls. Uh, a lot of times it'd be an unknown type of call, and we'd get there, it'd be an overdose. And so rescue's coming. Uh, you know, they would treat them as best they could. Uh, and as a first responder, you, you sign up to do good, you know, to, to help people. Everybody we interview, you know, when you want to be a police officer, why do you want to be a police officer? I want to help, you know, protect and serve. And at times you felt absolutely helpless. What, what can you do? I mean, we were doing CPR until they showed up. Um, but Narcan, you know, came along. So we said, man, that we need to we need to have this. We carry AEDs, we carry first aid kits, we fire fire extinguishers, you know, to handle emergencies. We should be carrying Narcan too. So, so we there started was, doing that. And there was no reluctance on, on your part and your department's no. part. Like like we've heard throughout the state, you yeah, know, in we various have. pockets. We have, and that's sad. Uh, and, no, uh, we, we sign up to help people. And, yeah. and the officers in Barberton, actually all the officers that I know of in Summit County, nobody has a, a huge reluctance to it. Maybe some administrators at times. But you talk to them and they recognize it's happening in their community. There's something that, you know, a first responder can do. How could we not do that? So the transformation then between, you know, from the early days mm -hmm. and, and what you experienced and then the difference now since you've right. had QRT teams in place. At, can you at, speak to that? Sure. At first you felt like at times you're hanging out by yourself in the ocean. You know, you're going to these calls, you know. You're a cop, your backup's there, you do it, rescue takes them, and you're done. I mean, what do you do? I mean, you're looking around for perhaps some evidence. So a lot of times what we started to resort to doing initially was uh, charging somebody with some drug paraphernalia just to try to get them into court so that our, you know, we could, you know, at least in court say, hey, you have an issue to try to deal with the issue, to, you know, charge with a misdemeanor to get somebody into, into the system. Um, so the and motivation, that's where, the motivation right. there, if I could jump in, sure, absolutely, was to use that as leverage to get absolutely. them the help that they need. Right. Yeah, because we don't want to keep going back. I mean, a perfect day is a, everybody gets along and lives a healthy, happy lives. We haven't had them yet, but we're getting, we're getting better. Uh, but that's where the ADM board stepped in, recognized this as a public health issue, and, and said, hey, we, we have to do something as a community, as a Summit County community, uh, we started the Opiate Task Force. Jerry did under his leadership. Um, so we, we start getting together and talking about what we're doing, what's happening, where it's happening at, uh, sharing the data, what are best practices, and, and truly use best practices out there as opposed to just, well, I think this is a good idea. Let's, you know, fund this and try this. Mm -hmm. So something that, that will work community-wide, you know, based on research. Jerry, were you surprised to see how quickly the QRT teams took off in Summit County? I was surprised, to be honest with you. You know, we had, um, in very short order of time, probably about six months' time, we had 10 teams up and running. And, um, you know, those teams represented those communities that were most, most hard hit by the opiate epidemic, by the overdoses and deaths, based on the overdose uh, reports that we were getting. So... We had 10 teams representing about 85% of the people who had um, experienced overdoses in the previous year. So, Chief Morber, um, your community is probably the epicenter of this thing in Summit County, I, I would say. I mean, your, your community, um, regardless, it's been, uh, regardless of mm -hmm. how we want to label it, sure. your community has been just about the hardest hit of anyone. 
And so it, this bringing in the QRT teams, though, has to be a culture change. And so uh, I would think that for many of those in law enforcement on your team, they're pretty much used to, hey, you know what, we're going to arrest our way out of this. That had to be kind of the mindset going in. Can you speak to transformation? Uh, in, in many ways, it was a natural step coming off of a lot of the Narcan usage. Uh, you want people to get better. We've seen you can't arrest your way out of it. I mean, any cop will tell you, you know, one, if we, we are fortunate we have a jail, but you can't get people into jail anyway in Summit County, especially on misdemeanors. So what else can we do, you know, to try to address it? So it was a natural step. We were already partnering with the fire department when we went on these calls. So with the QRT team, quick response team, by meeting post an overdose and going out proactively to try to address the issue, it was natural and quite easy in lots of ways for us. So let's talk about the third component of those teams, Jerry, and that's the counselor. Sure. And the importance of that counselor. Well, you know, when we initially envisioned this, we wanted to use peer recovery coaches, people who had lived experiences, who, who had suffered addiction and were well on their way to recovery. And you have to understand, recovery is a process. So, you know, we're talking about a chronic disease. Somebody who's navigated those difficult first few years can come back to people in early recovery or even people who are considering treatment. That this is something that looks daunting from where you sit, but here I am to tell you several years down the road that people can recover. And so, you know, what we try to do is pair these recovery coaches and also counselors who work with people who have, you know, experiences with treatment to help people um, make that decision that treatment's in their best interest. And, and oftentimes it's a matter of, of just talking to them about the impact their addiction has had on their lives and whether or not this is something that, you know, they'd like to see change. Oftentimes the people that you call on have so many different issues. They've been at this for a while, and so they've burnt many bridges, um, and so their issues range from healthcare issues uh, that have to be addressed, and they've remained unaddressed for many years, to transportation, insurance, and the list goes on and on. Um, oftentimes your team kind of sheds some light on where they can get help there. How does that work? Absolutely. You show up in a, at a time it's a non-crisis situation. So one, they're, they're really not expecting you, and you're bringing a message of caring, you know, really. Truly, hey, we're here to help you. You know, we're not here to arrest you. We're not here to look at your living situation. You know, any, any of those other bad things you think that, you know, cops and firemen show up for. We're here to help. And, and we have this nice social worker here as well who, you know, can totally hook you up with services. And they're like, wow, somebody actually cares. Because they're used to being cast aside, stigmatized. You know, they feel bad about themselves in lots of ways. They're like, no, you don't have to live like this. Let us help. So I've had a chance to meet with and interview uh, Dan Malloy, the creator of this program, on numerous occasions. And, um, you know, he said on the early going, oftentimes they'd pull up and people wouldn't come to the door. <laughs> you know, they'd be afraid to come to the door. So how did you overcome that? Well, how, how we go about it is we don't send an officer out in uniform. It, it's, a, it's a detective or in, an officer in street clothes. And it's, a, it's the right officer as well. Somebody who, you know, either has a personal history with it, understands that world, 
Uh, so they're all in. They're absolutely, absolutely, yeah. they're all in, yeah. and, and they know how to talk and approach people. So, so we're not showing up, you know. Oh, look, the Barbin police are here. You know what's going on at their house. You know, it's just a car pulls up, and you know, three people get out and go to the door. So pretty natural, right? So, any idea, just roughly ballparking it, how often people actually come to the door? Oh, when you knock on that door. Oh, at least half the time we're getting somebody wow. somebody answering the door. Yeah. At least half the time. Now we're not always finding the people there, but we, we do find people who know them there. Yeah. And and we're talking to them as well. And oftentimes they're so thrilled because they it's somebody they love, they live with, a relationship with, and they want them to get help too. So we can pass it on. We've had people call back even if they weren't there. Sometimes they are there. They just don't want to come talk to us because they're really not sure. And they'll be at the next call and dispatch will get the call. Hey, can you go back there? You know, Johnny wants to talk. <laughs> John wants to talk now. So speaking of go, oh, go ahead, Jerry. And I, and I think one of the important things about that is that even if the person that they want to talk to is not there, there's information that's left with mm -hmm. the family, a personal note that's written um, and, and, help information, not just for that individual, but for their family members as well. And I think that goes a long way into getting people to sort of consider, you know, what's what's available out there and sort of dwell on it for a little bit and maybe that changes their mind. Yeah. They're not alone on an island out there. They they gotta know that. Yeah. And I'm we bring that message. So you go back there multiple times. This isn't a one shot deal. Is that mm -hmm. right? Right. Oh yeah, we'll we'll keep going. <laughs> How long? <laughs> Hey, they're on the list. We're going to keep going yeah. until we either get a don't ever come back here again, which has happened several times, but we still try. <laughs> and uh, we, we keep trying to reach out every time. We lack not from work. So, Jerry, the program's been in place for more than a year now, a little bit better than a year. Um, any surprises? I think that, you know, I don't know that there's surprises so much. I think it's been really interesting to watch each of the communities do something that's a little bit unique. Um, you know, some of them have reached out beyond the initial purpose of this and, you know, taken it, take it upon themselves to reach out to other members of the community. I think one of the things that surprises me the most, and this happened in uh, the first community, Cauga Falls, that um, implemented this. They did a really nice job of, of putting the word out in the street that their officers were going to go out and do some outreach. And people would stay home and say, we're, we're waiting for you because we knew you were coming. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. really kind of a neat thing. Yeah. yeah, we've had that too. We also, uh, you know, Falls uh, said, hey, we hit our jails every day. They have a jail as well, municipal jail, not, not unlike us. So we said, Jack Davis, Chief Davis, that's awesome, dude. Nice job. So it's like, hey, go to jail. You know, just go around the corner there because we meet our roll call. Yeah. You know, talk about it because the records come from the police and then we, we head on out. So we've been able to reach people through the jail as well. We, besides just giving them information when we let them out of our jail, you know, everybody gets some info when they get out, but actually talk to them, you know, while they're in jail. So yeah. just walk down to the jail cells. And yeah. for those yeah, that you know right. they're struggling with mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Talking about and uh, you talk about the future. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And I think it's an it's absolutely a great model to reach out, not just for say, the opioid issue, which we're dealing with now, but say in the future, because people do have co-occurring, you know, issues in their lives, mental health, a host of issues. And this will be a great way to continue down the road to be able to reach out and be more proactive in getting assistance in the community. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had people who say it was truly a medical overdose issue. And uh, 
hey, what's going on with this? You know, so they don't go further down the down the path uh, in a suicide suicide attempt type of deal. So, so um, the report card for 2017. You now, of course, have 10 QRT teams in the county, and they made a total of 2,986 home visits. And 300 individuals chose to get help following the visit. So um, would either of you care to comment on that report card and the impact the program has had on the community? And then we'll have the other one comment on the future of the program. Well, uh, I can tell you in, in the Barberton Norton QRT team, we made 350 visits since we started. So, And that was through April 1. So, and I think we're shooting at a roughly about 30% are getting into treatment. So, and, and that's good. We want to get that number up. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd love to see it at 50%. That's, you know, to get into treatment. But, um, you know, right from the QRT, you yeah. know, they, they followed through with the assessment, signed up, followed through, you know, gone through. And it's been shown to be effective and that people who have gotten into treatment, we have lost very few of them to overdoses after that so and that's been about a year now so that that's great that shows us that it works we get into treatment you know your chances of not dying are excellent yeah so that's a really good point that you mentioned the process i just want to take a second on that and talk about the process so when they do uh, reach back out to you to engage you and ask for that help um describe that that next step that first step if you will towards getting help okay. it's an assessment mm -hmm. right uh, the counselor will call, you know, the ADM assessment line and say, hey, got somebody here, let's work through it. So we'll sit there with them, help them compile whatever they need to, to get into wherever they need to. Sometimes we've been able to, even that day, take them right from their, you know, their house and to, to be assessed. So time is of the essence. And Jerry, I know you've done a lot of work on that. Can you speak to that? Yes, we did. We created the ADM helpline, which is a one number that individuals can call. And that was kicked off right about the same time as we kicked off the quick response teams. And over the first year of, these, of this program, we've been able to measure the distance between when somebody calls and when they can get in for an appointment. For the county, it's been about 8.8 .8 days. With the QRT team, though, those calls, those people have been getting into treatment within three days. So that's, you know, there's a market improvement in, you know, the, the calls for those individuals. And I think that what's really important to, to talk about with that is that's the 300 people that got into treatment are people that might not otherwise have ever been touched or mm -hmm. had the, that idea even brought to them, you know, by somebody outside of their family. So sometimes there's a, a, a significant amount of ambivalence towards treatment by people that are in the throes of addiction. And so if we could have, you know, somebody from the community that tells them, we care about you, we want you to see, we want to see you get into treatment, that increases significantly the likelihood. So we have 300 people now who have touched our treatment system who might not otherwise have, or who might have um, passed away as a result of an accidental overdose. So what we're seeing is that we're getting people into treatment faster, we're touching people that we wouldn't have already touched. And this opiate epidemic is all about anything that we can do. So this is just one program and a whole array of different things that we're doing as a community to try to impact this. So what phone number? Give us that phone number again. That number is 330-940-1133. Excellent. So um, this is an important week. I think uh, 
in the in the history of uh, Summit County, has this ever happened where you've had 10 communities come together this way to not only build uh, teams, to outreach teams, to go out in the community and address a very urgent need, but also to collaborate together and come together on a quarterly basis and sit around the table and talk about what's working, what isn't working, and how do we go to the next step? Has that ever happened? I don't think that, not on this level. I don't think, you know, right now the Opiate Task Force has a, a mailing list of, of people who've said that they're interested and want to be involved of about 550 people. Of that, we typically get in our meetings upwards of 100 people that come to our meeting, and probably about 60 of those folks are actively involved in the community, either through one of the Opiate Task Force subcommittees or doing other things in the community and bringing their advocacy to the table. The other thing that we've been able to do with the Opiate Task Force is we folded in the Green Task Force, the Hudson Task Force, and now we're inviting the Akron University's recovery community to come also. So there, this becomes sort of the, the, um, the coordinating entity for all these initiatives that are going on across the, the community. But I've never seen an engagement from the community in, in such a way as we've had with this opiate task force. That's outstanding. Okay. So um, going back to our quick response teams, and particularly this week to honor our first responders, um, I, I'm really delighted to participate in this podcast and, and really um, just uh, I, 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 my hats off to, uh, to the 10 teams and all of your participants and the amazing work that, uh, that you've done over the course of this past year or so. Uh, Chief, I just want to offer my thanks yeah. and gratitude for for you and for all the other you know the nine other teams because it's really it's really been amazing and I think it's had a huge impact on mm -hmm. our community not only in the numbers but also the statement that it's made in in terms of taking that first step and the communities coming coming together everybody coming together to to make a difference here and uh, to save lives and and change things for our community. So thanks, Greg. Yeah. Um, so, how can other members of our community participate in in this, uh, you know, kind of recognition week here, Jerry? So let me talk a little bit about this recognition. This is a statewide initiative that's got the support of the governor's office, the attorney general, uh, the board association has really been the coordinating entity. But each of the communities has the opportunity to do things their own way to say thank you to our first responders and others who have been who've played a critical role in bringing. Um, help the people who are really in desperate need of help. So, you know, as we look at ways that we can thank our first responders, you know, we've enlisted the help of some of our school systems to have young kids um, do pictures of showing their appreciation for first responders. We've had, um, we've, we've promoted a thank you campaign online called uh, Hashmark 330 Responds, and that's an opportunity for you to demonstrate what you've done to thank a first responder, and we'll be able to track that across the community in a real meaningful way. Um, we've many posts scheduled for this week from our social media accounts. We um, received a resolution from the ADM Board of Directors and a proclamation from Governor Kasich, and, and uh, we, we have to send it out to the other municipalities, municipalities and encourage them to be involved with that as well. We're also honoring the 70-plus peer recovery support workers in our community who have taken their very, very personal negative experience with addiction and made something very positive out of it by um, thanking them for reaching yeah. out and helping thank, others. Thank them. That's, that's awesome. Helping them. Right there. Helping them very find huge a way. part of it. 
Yeah, definitely. Outstanding. Well, um, Chief, I'm going to ask you to add the uh, the last word on today's podcast in celebration of the frontline workers and first responders and uh, appreciation week here in Summit County. Jeez, well, every cop out there and fireman and uh, social worker, thank you. Uh, you guys make it happen and uh, are on the front lines of helping people get better. So this one's for you, and especially to my people, Paul and Steve and Ben and Nicole, who, who I see every Wednesday, and you guys just do a wonderful job. So we can't do it without you. You truly are uh, your brother's keepers, sisters. Outstanding. We'll, we'll leave it there. So we've been visiting with Jerry Craig, Executive Director of Summit County ADM Board, and the Barberton Police Chief, Vince Morber. And we've been talking today about our QRT teams and uh, recognition of uh, the uh, First Responders uh, Week, Recognition Week here in Summit County. And that is April 9th through the 13th. My name is Greg McNeil. I'm the founder of Cover 2 Resources. Thank you for listening to this Cover 2 PPT podcast. That's people, places, and things making a difference in the opioid epidemic. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Cover 2 Resources podcast. This episode is a production of Cover 2 Resources and is made possible by listeners like you. If you'd like to donate or to sponsor a future podcast, please visit cover2.org. As always, thank you for listening. Together we can make a difference in the opioid epidemic, one life at a time.